Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Welcome up, Josh Starbuck. We have the pleasure of him coming. Woo-hoo! What a good. All right. So most of you guys know me, but my name is Josh Starbuck. She was a part of the original church plant, uh, church plant days, came over from Redding, California. About, uh, we've been here almost five years ago. Uh, we've been here almost five years ago. There you go. My wife is sitting in the back, kind of hidden. You can't see her if you're on this side. And then also my son, Isaiah, I heard him praising the Lord earlier. So you'll probably hear that throughout service, I'm guessing. So um, anyway, so today, um, the title of the message, I thought this was really important to share, but the title is Place Your Butts Wisely. And I'm talking about your B-U-T-S butts, okay? So... I'm going to get in trouble today. We're going to say that word quite a bit, um, so hopefully you're okay with that. But we're talking B-U-T-S butts, okay? Um, And really, we're just going to talk about making sure that we are possessing the promises that God has for us and doing our part. But it's going to be super easy, right? Because Jesus already paid for it all. So, um, How's the mic, by the way? Is Is it loud? Okay. Can we turn it down just a tad? <laughs> Let me, I could also extend it a little bit. The only thing is keeping me, keeping my arm fixed here this whole time. That's the only, the only challenge. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, well, I'll just keep going and then try to keep it away from my mouth. But if your ears are ringing, just be like, I'll, I'll look at you eventually, and then I'll be like, okay, that's my cue. All right. So kind of setting the stage here. So last week, and really, I, I feel like this is a life message of Jesse's, but it's he, he, he often talks about how do we possess our inheritance in Christ. We have this amazing inheritance through Jesus, and how do we actually, how do we get to participate in those amazing promises and not just let them slide away. And I think one of the things he pointed out was our belief systems, right, is, is often something that actually hinders us from stepping into those promises. We live, we're triune beings, right? We have spirit, body, and soul. So in the spirit, this is the amazing thing, we already are seated in heavenly places. We are, Jesus already paid for it all, right? We know this. We get it. We have access to these amazing promises, these inheritances. And by the way, today I'm going to use these words kind of interchangeably. So promises, the promised land, inheritances, it's really anything that's meant for the people of God, that's going to be used interchangeably. So if I throw these different words out, I'm kind of landing all in the same place there. Now, what I'd propose, though, is even though in the spirit, right, we're seated in heavenly places and we have access to all this amazing, these amazing promises from the Lord, we're still being transformed in our souls and bodies. I kind of think of it like 
you were born again in the spirit, so you have this fresh new creation. There's nothing to do to, to work for that. Jesus paid for it all. And then you have your soul and body that's kind of like, hmm, that's really cool, whatever happened in the spirit here. I'm going to try and maybe catch up with what's going on in the spirit. And that's why Paul talks about renewing the mind and making sure that we're constantly this super valuable real estate here, which also really contains the heart. It's getting the good things of God in there and choosing our perspectives. So I want to talk about, that's kind of where we're going to go today with those, you know, making sure our butts are in the right places. It's really about where our focus is. Is it on the problem that we see or is it on the things that God has for us and the nature and character of God? And I just want to say, um, we are going to dive into some stuff. Like, you'll note, one thing you know about me is that I love process, and I feel like that's one of my life messages. I just love to talk about process. And so we're going to dive into some scripture, and we're going to use those poor Israelites as they leave, uh, exit the uh, Egypt and go for the promised land. We're going to try not to hate on them too much, but um, it's going to be pretty easy to do that. With love, of course, and not judgment. So today, as we go into that, I do want to say this. Just approach today as sons and daughters, right? Like, we're not trying to strive for anything. I want this to be super easy. So as we go into the process, it's not like, okay, i got to do step one, step two, step three. I am going to lay out steps, and I have five steps. There's no magic to that. It's just literally how I frameworked it. So if you like to take notes... And follow along, that's kind of how I've structured the steps of process as we want to inherit uh, or as we want to um, step into his promises, right? Not just say, hey, those are really cool promises. They're just living over there. We want to actually enter into that. So we're going to talk about some of that process. Um, but just approach it with the identity of, of sonship and daughtership. So I just wanted to say that. And then one thing I did want to caveat, I love caveats, but... I do want to make sure I say this. Just, I don't want you to misunderstand that even though God does, I think he loves process, and that's actually how he helps us get to know him and know his character is through process. And sometimes that can be long and arduous, and I think we can make that a lot harder than it has to be and longer like the Israelites did in the, in the wilderness. But I do want to say, but God, because God can break in at any time, and he can actually bring you to transformation. He can bring you to that end state really quickly. It doesn't have to be a long time. So I don't want to make theologies out of it. I have to go through this five-step process to, you know, to make my life better. Like, it's not an infomercial at all. But I think there is something valuable in the process with God of actually seeing, uh, seeing him work in that process with us and going through these steps together because this is often how he works, and this is how he brings us closer to his heart, because his heart for us is relationship. His heart for us is love, and it's passion for us, and he doesn't want to give us things too quickly, because sometimes those things can destroy us, so if we're, if, we're, uh, if we're not ready for them. So he loves us, and he does everything he does is out of love, even when we don't understand it, right? It's all for love. So I just wanted to, to share that. Um, before we kind of dive into scripture. Are you guys ready to, to read some scripture together? I mean, you won't be reading it. Don't worry. I won't make you do that. But I am going to read some today. So I hope, and it's story kind of stuff, right? So it's kind of easier to, I'm not going to read from Leviticus. We're going to skip that, the law part of things. 
although that is very exciting, and I do enjoy reading that um, in the spirit. But um, my spirit enjoys it. I know that. My mind and my heart are still catching up, right? So as we set the stage here, uh, you can turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be in, um, in verse 1 to start. Um, so just kind of a quick, a quick catch up here. So at this stage, right, of the Israelites' journey, uh, we've seen the Israelites now in Egypt for about 400, a little over 400 years, and 350 plus or so of those years are actually in slavery, in bondage under, uh, under rule of the Egyptians. So Moses, as you guys know the story really well, and I'm going to throw out, like we're going to kind of run through some of the, the story because I know a lot of it you know, and we, can't, we don't have time for all the story, but we're going to try to hone in on a couple of specific things that I feel like God is doing today. Um, but so Moses, he, at this point, he fled Egypt, right? Uh, and he was basically being chased by the Pharaoh at the time, even though that's where he was actually, he grew up, right? He was kind of shipped down that basket in the water, and then he grew up in Pharaoh's household in Egypt, so really as, uh, as a prince. Now, after he, uh, he had seen, as he was kind of going through, I think he was in his 20s or 30s, but he had grown up, he had seen... Uh, an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew or an Israelite. And so he took way too much aggression out on him, apparently, and killed the Egyptian. So that forced him out of there, and he had to go now. He's like, I got to get out of here. Pharaoh's trying to kill me. And so this is kind of where we pick up the story. So Moses has fled Egypt. He's now married, and he has a family, and he's working for his father-in-law, Jethro. So he's a shepherd. All right, there's your context. So step one, Exodus 3.1, right? So step one, I talked about the steps. So step one for possessing the promised land or how God takes us into that process. God sees us and calls us. So God sees us and calls us. So Exodus 3.1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses was like, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I think we would all probably be curious about that as well. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, that land, into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. 
So again, step one is God sees us and calls us. I just want to say God heard their cries, but he had something so much better for them than the life that they were in. And we're going to do some heavy metaphors today, right? This is pretty obvious where we're going with this, I think. Um, but God but God saw the Israelites, saw them in their pain, in their past, and where they were in slavery, and he had way better things for them. Kind of sounds like, like Jesus and our relationship there. So um, I thought it was, I think it's interesting that even though God had promised this land to the Israelites, right? They don't possess it yet on earth. So he's calling them and saying, hey, I have this better life available for you. Do you want to participate in this? Do you want this? So that's the question. And just like the Israelites, God calls us out of, the, out of a land of slavery, right? Slavery to sin and death and into a full life of freedom and vision, one that's saturated with his promises, with the promised land. But God doesn't just say, all right, here's the, here's the promised land. Now you can just walk right in right now. That's just not how this works. God takes them on this journey and process. So it's up to us if we want to possess that. All right, so step two, we choose to believe God's word and place our trust in him. So step one, right, was God sees us and calls us. Step two is we choose to believe God's word and place our trust in him. So we're going to keep reading Exodus 3, 10 through 12. So uh, ch or chapter 3, verse 10. So now go, this is God speaking, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So notice, and there's actually quite a bit more dialogue if you read the rest of chapter 3. Moses asks probably half a dozen or more questions to God and says, well, what if they, you know, what if, they don't listen to me. What if they don't do this? Or what, what happens if, you know, in this scenario? And he was very reluctant. He wasn't just like, yes, God, I'm going to go. Moses had a lot of uncertainty. And this is, you know, this is a pretty big call, right, that, that he has. And so he's asking all these questions. And basically, after these questions, he's like, you are good, God, but send someone else. <laughs> it's like, I don't really want to go. And God was Sometimes, like he is with us, uh, tough love, but he just was like, all right, dude, talking to Moses, enough. It's time to move out. Like, you need to go. I'm not going to ask you anymore. I'm not going to answer any more questions. It's time for you to go. So Moses was like, okay. He's, he was ready, I think, at that point. And we see that he does actually, obviously, go on that journey. So even though I, I really appreciate that, though, because for us, sometimes there's uncertainty, right, with what God calls us to do. And God is gracious in answering those questions or in answering some, but there's a point where he's just like, no other questions are going to help you right now. It doesn't matter if I give you any more information or like I'm not going to give you this play-by-play, -play, project management, life cycle, beautiful, all right, at this time, you know, this week we're going to do this. That's just not how God works a lot of the time. 
Sometimes you could do that. Absolutely, that's how it could work. I'm not putting a box on the Lord. But a lot of times, that's just not how he works. So, so critical here is that in our hearts, right, for Moses, we accept his word as truth. And for us, kind of taking this to the, the New Testament life, uh, lifestyle here, right, we are, we accept his word as truth. And Jesus, right, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the ultimate word. So if we place our belief and trust in Jesus, we place our trust in God the Father. And so we're believing his word and choosing to put our trust in him. That's step two. All right. What step are we on now? I've lost track. Oh, three. Okay, good. I was testing to see if we had some paying attention there. All right, so step three is start moving. Start moving. So if you flip to Exodus 4, so just one more chapter. We're going to pick up the story there. So Exodus 4, 19. Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God in his hand. That's all I wanted to read, because I think what's so important is sometimes when God calls us to something, we try to get too much out in front, and we try to bring too many things into the fold. I need to do this, 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 and this. I need to have these questions answered, just like Moses. But God just wants us to start moving. Just think about the next step, because a lot of times if we do overthink it and we, we try to do too much all at once, if we just take the next step with the Lord, that we're actually heading towards uh, fulfillment of that promise, right? And so I think the Lord is just highlighting it doesn't have to be a complicated step either. It can be so simple. Sometimes God, God is just saying, just pray. Pray right now with me. Or I want you to reach out to this person. Or I literally just want you to take this next step, like an actual physical step. <laughs> Go here. So I think it's important that we just not be complicated not make it complicated, and take that next step that God's calling us to. All right, step four. Step four. Journey with the Lord and remember the testimonies. So journey with the Lord and remember the testimonies. So this is where we're going to kind of summarize the next, a lot of Exodus and Leviticus, and then we're going to get into numbers here. Um, but I know a lot of you know how the story goes, how it continues. And I just find this amazing. The amount of testimonies and miracles that happen in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers is just pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> like, it's, it's pretty staggering. So after all these signs and plagues, right? There were 10 plagues. Pharaoh finally let the Israelites go. And then the Israelites were also finally convinced that it was time to go. So they started moving out to the promised land, right, shortly after that. Um, and then the Israelites saw all these incredible miracles, all these amazing testimonies of God's goodness and provision as they walked out that, uh, you know, that journey. So think of some of the things they saw. They saw the Red Sea splitting. Pretty incredible. I would, I would love to just walk up to the water and be like, if I could just split right now, kind of like I know a little bit if you've seen Moana, maybe a little bit something like that, but... Just, I think that'd be so amazing. 
And I would remember that one, I think. How about God as a cloud by day and then fire by night so that he could guide them? Just imagine following this holy cloud and then seeing fire at night and just be like, you know, that's really unusual. But that becomes your normal because that's every day. That's what they were following the Lord. And you have manna appearing on the ground. Just food. I would not mind that. And the meat that was provided. Water out of a rock is hitting it. That's pretty cool when you're in the desert. And then, of course, you have the Ten Commandments and then just seeing the power, the raw power of the Lord on the mountain, just all that comes with that. So those are just a few of the things that the Israelites uh, got to experience. And this is where I don't want to be judgmental because I never walked through the desert and I did not. And I know they came out of slavery, and I know it's, it can be really hard to shift mindsets, but there was such a mixed bag of reactions to all these things. At times, the Israelites, they were very hot and cold, right? They would react very differently. In, in some moments, they were, they were making covenants with the Lord, like very deep bonds with, with him. They were worshiping him and revering him. And then in other moments, just a little bit later, even after all these things happened, right, they were like, I am going to build a golden calf, and I'm going to worship this thing that I've created with my hands. It's just like, man, I, I know, though, I, I can relate in terms of at least how you can go back and forth on, on some things, how easy it is to actually, if you're not meditating on the right things, how you can actually step right out of the grace of God. But the beautiful thing is, right, we know we can come back anytime or really quickly if we do actually stray from there. And so I think it's so important in this step, we, as we're walking out this journey with the Lord, capture those testimonies. So as we see things happen and we see God move, we need to remember what God is doing. We need to remember who he is and then meditate on those things all the time. <clears throat> so that's step four. Journey with the Lord and remember the testimonies. All right, and this is really, this is really where I want to take us today. And I want to spend some time ministering here. This is step five. You could break this up into a lot of other steps. But uh, what I've done is I've kind of combined it into this one beautiful step five. Taste and see that the Lord is good and possess the land of his promises. So taste and see that the Lord is good and possess the land of his promises. So if you want to turn to Numbers 13, we're going we're gonna to read there. And this is where the title of the message is actually going to make more sense as well, in case you were wondering when that would happen. And so we're fast-forwarding again. We're fast-forwarding through a lot of the miracles and testimonies. And it's, it's basically about two years after they leave, uh, the Israelites leave Egypt. They've come now to the border of the promised land and they're ready to, to scout it out and see what the land possesses to see if God's word is actually true and if the land is good. And we'll see that the Israelites are going to go in two very different directions. They see the same things, but they have two very different responses. All right, so Numbers 13, 25 is where we're going to be. Okay. You guys ready for this? All right. All right, verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. 
they came back to Moses. So this is the, uh, the 12 that were sent out to spy out the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they brought this huge cluster of grapes and they're like, they gave Moses the account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. Now here's the key word, but, verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. <laughs> and then here you see kind of the start of the other side or the other but. Verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb is living from a very different reality than the other, the other reporters, I'd say. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they ex had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. They certainly did not have the eyes of the Lord on that. And we looked the same uh, to them. All right, chapter 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly to them. This is the biggest slap in the face. If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So this is a pivotal point. We're about two years into this journey, and the Israelites are knocking on the door of the promised land, this amazing land flowing with milk and honey. And they had a choice. The two choices were, do I submit to the spirit of God and who he is? Do I believe and trust in him and his nature, who he says he is? Do I believe that in his promises that he has for us and that he can take us there? Or do I focus and believe that 
yeah, there's a lot to be scared of. And all the things that I can see with my natural eye, those are the things I'm focusing on, and I don't think we can do it. I don't think we can, we can get through that. And so I, I think what it comes down to is it's all about identity. It's all about identity. So the Israelites came from, and I do, I certainly sympathize, they came from a background of total slavery. That's their whole lives. That's all they knew. And so God brought them into process to bring them out of that slavery. So he moved them out, and he walked with them. He gave them these amazing testimonies and was focused on how can I how can I move them away from slaves and bring them into identities as sons and daughters of God? These are my people, and I want to see them thrive. I want them to, to move into the promises I have for them, but they're not ready yet. And so this was kind of the ultimate, the ultimate moment that they had to determine, do I, what do I believe about God? Do I believe he's who he says he is? Do I believe that he is powerful enough to knock out all these scary things that I see? He has these amazing promises for me. The land is really good, but I'm really scared and I don't want to enter in because my belief system is not big enough to encapsulate God and to say that God is big enough to actually uh, take me through, to take me into the promised land. So rather than, rather than enter the promised land, right? This was about two years after Egypt. They had to spend another 38 years, including Joshua and Caleb and the under 20-year-olds that were part of the group that were allowed to go into the promised land eventually. They all got to suffer in the fun of going in the wilderness for another 38 years. And so in total, they were there for yeah about, about 40 years. I just I think that this is amazing, but I, I, I was reading um, the estimated trip from Egypt to the promised land, the actual physical uh, geographical distance. It should have taken them about 11 days to get from Egypt to the promised land. And then let's throw a few days right for scouting because they did scout for 40 days, so give them a few days. They could have started really entering the promised land of God after a little less than two months. And instead, it took 40 years. It's a long, long time to wait. And the crazy thing is that it was actually God's heart for every single one of them to enter into the promised land. Yeah. But the problem, the problem was they believed an inferior reality. They believed in, inf in an inferior spirit. They actually put on the throne of their thoughts and beliefs, spirit of fear. And they let that be the but fear. They let that be the, the right side of their, of their butts. So you really want to make sure that God is on the right side of your butts, okay? Just remember that. <laughs> on the right, like not the left side of your butt, but the right side of your butt, okay? If there's one thing you remember, just 
remember that, okay? <laughs> Your B-U-T-S butts, okay? So I think this doesn't just apply to the promises, but this actually, this applies to every single mindset, everything that we think and believe. You can stop and think, when I say this or when I see a problem or an issue, what do I actually, what am I saying in my brain? What am I meditating on? And so I wanted to make sure that we had some time to evaluate our butts, okay? So here's a couple of examples, and then I want to change them up. So here's, here's kind of, I think, the temptation, but this is how the Israelites uh, might have approached, approached these, these statements. I know God is a healer, but I'm just not seeing anyone healed in my life. You see how the focus, the ending focus of that statement is actually on the problem. And so it's whatever you end on, whatever you're actually ending on, that's the thing, that's the last thing that your mind, the eye of your mind, the eye of your heart actually sees and focuses on. So instead, we could say something like, I may have, I may have not seen healing yet, but God is the healer. Now, I am acknowledging that maybe I haven't seen that promise as much as I would like or expect, but I'm declaring the nature and character of God, and that opens me up to receive or enter into that promise. Because if I'm focused and, and sub, uh, basically coming under a different spirit or a different reality, then I am taking myself out of that potential blessing. You can't, you can't serve both the spirit of fear and the spirit of God. You get to choose one or the other reality. How about this one? I know God loves me, but I feel alone and isolated. How about instead, I may feel alone at times, but God loves me, is for me, and is my comforter and provider. It just allows you to, to shift into that reality, that, that promise that God has for us, that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that he's with us, that he is for us. And that's what we end up meditating on. How about this one? I know God is a provider, but I don't see him showing up in this need. And you can fill in the blank. So the focus is on the need and the lack that's not actually happening. Instead, we could say, I have this need, fill in the blank, but God is my provider, and I look to him for provision and refuge. So it's, it's declaring the nature of God, and it's actually bringing our, our hearts and our minds in alignment with the Spirit. How we talked about the inheritance is there. We're seated in heavenly places. It's just we're trying to get all this flesh and all this other stuff to catch up, to be fully submitted to the Spirit and what God has for us in his promises. So as I mentioned, I think the simple rule you could use is God should be on the right side of our butts. Just remember. <laughs> so I, I want to I wanna spend some time just ministering to our hearts. When I was, pre I was preparing for today, 
I really felt like God is going to be highlighting promises this morning, inheritances this morning, where maybe we've put our butts in the wrong place, and we get to do a really easy, really quick shift to come in alignment with who we are as sons and daughters of God. And so there's going to be shifts that happen where maybe things have crept in and we're actually looking at an inferior reality. We're putting our trust in an inferior reality or perspective and not in, in the spirit of God. So I feel like there's going to be some an opportunity for repentance this morning. So, um, and I, if, uh, Dennis, if you could go ahead and just put on a little music. I just want to create an atmosphere right now that just allows you to have some time with the Lord. Um, just to process, let the Holy Spirit just take you wherever. Maybe he's highlighted something specific in this message today. Um, but I want him to, I just want to give him space to highlight those promises and inheritances. Maybe we've, we've shifted our, our focus and perspective from God to the problem. And we need to rearrange the words around the word but. But God. So as we're kind of going into that, one thing I, I specifically felt like he was highlighting was fear. And how fear is going to be broken off this morning because we get to be, we're, we're going to partner with the Lord. <laughs> We're going to let him break off fear, but we're, we actually get to participate in saying, no, I choose not to go into that reality, and I choose to enter into the superior reality of God. And so one, I just wanted to share a really quick testimony with you guys, because um, all you have to do is repent. If you do have an inferior belief right now in some area of your life, and I know Holy Spirit is highlighting it if it exists, you don't have to go fishing too hard or anything like that. But just let the Holy Spirit kind of speak over you. Maybe there's an area where you've really, you feel anxious about, you feel fearful or scared on, something where you know you haven't fully given it over to the Lord. So I just want to talk about one simple one for me as the Lord's speaking to you guys. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was actually... I was actually, uh, I needed to do a project for work. And I, I could tell I was feeling really, really anxious about that project. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was scared that it was actually going to break. Uh, I work in Salesforce. I was scared that it was going to break the system. And no one was going to be able to log in. And everyone would be like, what did you do to this? You know, what did you do to Salesforce? You did something, you broke it. Um, can you actually turn the music just a little bit down? It's kind of funny. I'm like, ah. <laughs> I don't know if that, if I'm like floating in the air. I know building up. I'm like, I'm not really building up to go to that level. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. But, uh, but so what I, I realized, and I was feeling anxious, like I was actually losing sleep. And I was really concerned about this thing. And I had been thinking about it for probably about six months. Like, this was something, time had gone by. The deadline to actually implement this was, it was coming up. And I was like, oh, gosh. 
I've kind of been avoiding it. I've tried looking into it, but then I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, God, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do on this. And so I actually felt this fear and anxiety that I was going to mess it up. And that was my, the belief that I was actually rolling with. And so I was like feeling this anxiety. I was like, wait a minute, God, what, what is actually happening in this thing right now? Why am I, why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling fearful about this? And he told me, well, you've submitted to the spirit of fear in this area. You didn't, you don't have this thing under my covering. You've actually come under the covering of the spirit of fear. And the fruit of that, it's not peace. The fruit of that is anxiety and being scared. And so I think that's the beautiful thing about emotions is that they can actually be litmus tests, right? I think it's okay to be scared. There's that's really, really common. It's just how do we how do we express what we're experiencing? You say, God, I do feel scared, but I know I know who you are, and I know you're the God of solutions. I know you can help me figure out how to implement this technical solution at work. So I had to actually repent. I said, Lord, uh, and I actually just spoke to the fear. I said, okay, fear, I am not going to partner with you anymore. I'm done with that. So you need to leave right now in, in the name of Jesus. And I shift my focus and my belief, and I put that in Jesus right now. And I choose to come under the Spirit of God in this area. And I know God is going to come through, and he's going to help me find solutions for this and figure this thing out. And I will say instantaneously, the anxiety I had, it just went right away, right after that. And it's because, and I, I just felt like, okay, Lord, you are just blessing me with your peace right now. He's just filling me with peace. And that's available any moment we are experiencing or feeling maybe anxious or fearful. Um, and I know that's kind of a, it's just a work example. But man, that is so practical. That is so practical for what God wants to do in every area of our life. He has promises that are going to speak to every single part of who we are and what we do. And we can bring him into those places and totally shift that perspective of fear. We can say, I'm not going to live in this inferior reality. I'm going to choose to live under the covering and spirit of the Lord. So we're just going to spend a couple minutes right now. I just wanted to share that with you. Um, and I just believe that God is going to be opening up eyes right now. And he's going to allow you to just say, yeah, I'm going to repent in this area. And I'm going to shift that thing into under the spirit of God. So just go ahead. And I just want to give a couple minutes of space right now. And then I'm going to come up, come back up and I'll, uh, I'll close it out. So go ahead and just let the Holy Spirit take you wherever he's going to lead.
Thank you, Lord. Yeah, if you need more time, I just want to, I want to open up this space if you, if you're still going into it um, and you feel like the Lord is highlighting things, you can do this anytime too. So I encourage you, if there's more you, you want to unpack, feel free to, to stay in that place. But just know you can always do that too at home, anywhere, and you can, you can see those things shifted. Um, I just want to pray to close out. I just want to pray that the Lord's going to upgrade our beliefs in Him as well, our belief systems. And it really comes down to an awareness because we have all of it. It's already ours. Jesus has already paid for it all. The inheritance is there. And so I just want to, I just want to see an upgrade. I know I want to see an upgrade in my belief system in Him. So if you would, um, if you want that, just go ahead and put your hands out as a prophetic act. We're just coming in agreement with God, what God is doing, what He has done already. Lord, I just thank you for the shift that you're, you're doing in our minds and hearts constantly. I know this is something that we get to, to journey on with you, Lord. As we journey to just the promises you have for us, Lord, I just thank you that wherever we're starting out at, Lord, we already have victory. We already have inheritance. We already have those promises. You've already guaranteed them to us, Lord. I just pray that you'd help us to possess those things. As we scout out the land of those promises, Lord, help us to not just see that, yeah, this is a really good promise and there's good fruit in this land. It's a land flowing of milk and honey, or flowing with milk and honey. I, help us to, to actually enter into, to enter into those promises with you, Lord. Help us to take possession of those things. Lord, I just pray that you would help to shift and upgrade our belief systems right now in Jesus' name, that no matter what we see, that might be, it might feel like something's in between us and, and living out those promises, Lord. Whatever might be in or inhabiting somewhere around there, Lord, on our journey. I just pray that you would give us that mindset and focus, Lord, that we would always put you on, on that seat of authority and power in our life. That no matter what problem we see, we'd actually stare right at you the whole time, unwavering just saying, that's my God. Yes, this thing, but God. But God is so good. But your character, your nature is true. You are who you say you are. And I believe you and I trust in you. And I just pray that that would transform our, our lives, every area of our life, Lord. So Lord, I just bless what you've done today. And I just, we seal those things. I pray that you'd help us also just anything else you want to highlight, Lord, in your timing. I just ask that you bring those things to light, Holy Spirit. You just help us in that process and that journey as we get to see and experience your promises on earth, Lord. That we just see an increased manifestation of our inheritance in, in the heavenlies, Lord. The inheritance would just be all, all over earth in this life as well. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Overflow Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy.